This free program is paid for by the listeners of Redwood Community Radio. If you're not already a member, please think of joining us. Thank you. Hi and welcome to this month's Ask Your Herb Doctor. Well, this month is a slightly different format. Um, we had a baby last month, and a uh, beautiful baby girl. And my wife, who normally joins us on the show, and who's my right-hand right hand leader, male, <laughs> uh, she's not with me. So uh, uh, we're going to run the show tonight with Dr. Pete, and uh, he's going to share his wisdom on the subject of heart failure uh, and hormones and other subjects surrounding that. As usual, people can and are invited to call in with any questions related or unrelated to this month's show on heart failure and hormones. And as uh, usual, there's an ever-growing Repeat Facebook fan page, and uh, we get emails from all over the States from people that are following him. And uh, always very good to hear anecdotal evidence of uh, people improving fairly drastically, uh, making the changes that he's been advocating for probably the last 20-something years. I know he's been studying and researching probably for 35 or nearly 40 so okay um the 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 thrust of the show like i said is um heart failure although there is going to be uh hopefully some time to look at new research surrounding um the understanding of cancer and metastases in relation to uh solid tumors and uh the way the body recruits uh, collagen as part of the uh part of the event that leads to a fairly poor prognosis with some cancer diagnosis. So uh, for those who perhaps have never listened to our shows, uh, which run every third Friday of the month from 7 to 8 p.m., uh, we're both licensed medical herbalists and trained in England there, graduating with a master's degree in herbal medicine, and we run a clinic in Garberville where we consult with clients about a wide range of conditions and recommend herbal medicines and dietary advice. So you're listening to Ask Your Herb Doctor on KMUD Garberville 91.1 FM. And from 7.30 until the end of the show at 8 o'clock, you are invited to call in with any questions, either related or unrelated, to this month's subject of the heart and hormones. Uh, The number, if you live in the area, is 923-3911. Or if you live outside the area, there's a toll-free number you can reach us on, and that's 1-800-KMUD-RAD. Incidentally, we can also be reached toll-free on 1-888-WBM-HERB for any further information or consultations uh, after, uh, after the show, basically during working hours, Monday through Friday. So anyway, uh, welcome all of you who are listening, and Hi. welcome to you, Dr. Pete. Hi, thanks. Hi. Okay, so as usual, uh, we do get callers every month, uh, and indeed people emailing every month who perhaps... Uh, 
I've never heard of you, and uh, I'm very interested to hear what you have to say. I think a lot of the time, people, new listeners, hear what you have to say. It seems to be fairly, uh, fairly shocking in terms of it seems to go against the grain of everything we're told uh, from the medical community and by uh, uh, doctors, if you like, to carte blanche cover them as a title. But um, and they have some very different uh, views and research uh, that you've used and proven uh, with your own approach. Uh, a very different uh, treatment outline for people that have very wide-ranging uh, conditions ranging from degenerative to uh, endocrine and metabolic. So would you, for the benefit perhaps of people who've never heard of you and who've tuned in tonight, just give us an outline of your uh, academic and professional career? Um, from 1968 to 72, I was in graduate school at University of Oregon and I did my dissertation on uh, reproductive aging and how uh, oxidative metabolism changes with age. And uh, I found that uh, the changes that happen uh, causing basically the, the menopause equivalent in animals uh, is something that happens in every tissue in the body. Uh, it just happens that in the uterus is where I uh, did my dissertation work, but uh, I, I was interested in aging changes in the brain and uh, bones and so on. Uh, and it turns out that the same uh, chemical and biological processes uh, change through time in all of these tissues. And in my dissertation, uh, one of the aging theories that I talked about was the collagen theory of aging. Uh, that um, est estrogen excess causes uh, wastage of oxygen, uh, basically suffocating tissues uh, the way uh, radiation would, for example, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, destroying the ability to use oxygen. And as a result of that, uh, excess collagen is produced by uh, the... the uh, uh, fiber uh, collagen producing cells, mm -hmm. fibroblast right. in the connective tissue. And uh, with aging, the collagen becomes progressively denser and more cross-linked, uh, creating a, an oxygen-deprived uh, environment. So uh, my emphasis at that time was on how uh, estrogen produced by irritation or aging uh, causes more collagen to be produced <clears throat> and to become more dense, creating further uh, interference with oxygen consumption. Right. Okay, well, surrounding the uh, talk for tonight and the uh, uh, recent um, article that you've written uh, that's fully referenced for people who might perhaps uh, want to uh, explore getting a copy of it, uh, the situation concerning congestive heart failure that uh, roughly 5.7 million people in the U.S. Um, are suffering from congestive heart failure. Um, and its physiology is particularly relevant to tonight's show uh, as it's a feature of a defective uh, function of heart muscle itself. Would you explain to our listeners the, uh, the pathophysiology of 
congestive heart failure so that they can understand um, what it is the disease entails and then we'll get into um, some of the mechanisms uh, by which that can be changed and how people can um, see a better way of um, treating their bodies and eating the right foods, etc. Uh, in congestive heart failure, the um, heart muscle simply gets uh, weaker, uh, less able to uh, pump a full uh, volume of blood with each stroke. And uh, the... Uh, diastolic phase, which should be a relaxation phase, is uh, inadequate. Uh, the heart stays partly contracted, and uh, so it has a, a short stroke, and to make up for the, uh, uh, the shortness of the stroke, it tends to pump faster. Okay. And ordinarily, when a, a heart muscle pumps faster, it uh, has a bigger stroke so that it doesn't have to uh, simply increase the speed. It can increase the volume with each stroke. Okay. But with heart failure, that's impossible. So it, it tends to lead to a fast but weak uh, heartbeat. Right. Okay. And, and the, the actual muscle of the, uh, the heart itself becomes more, more uh, flabby and weak? Um, well, it becomes uh, waterlogged. Uh, a higher con concentration of water in the tissue, mm -hmm. uh, that's because it isn't relaxing fully. And uh, when it doesn't relax, it's like when you uh, work a muscle tremendously, uh, you can actually uh, make a muscle swell up in, in just uh, oh, 15 or 20 minutes of very intense contraction. Your muscle will gain weight <laughs> because it... Uh, doesn't relax fully and retains calcium and excess water. So a, a very fatigued biceps muscle, for example, is temporarily equivalent to what's happening in a failing heart. And with that condition of retaining water and calcium, if that persists for a long time because the, the heart isn't getting enough um, sugar or oxygen, whatever it needs to relax, mm -hmm. or if it's being stimulated uh, by estrogen, for example, that prevents the full relaxation, right. uh, then chronically it, t it tends to uh, produce more collagen, and uh, uh, that collagen tends to become hardened. So uh, at first it's just a, a swollen condition, then it gradually becomes a fibrotic condition, and that can actually lead to the development of a bone in the heart, calcification okay. that is actually uh, contains crystalline calcium. Got it. Okay, because I, I understood the, um, the basic mechanism of treatment at least 20 years ago um, to be things like diuretics, and this would be in part the uh, removal of excess water that you mentioned is a feature of congestive heart failure in the muscle. And then uh, even plant derivatives like digoxin from the uh, woolly foxglove um, as a uh, strengthener of heart contraction so that each, each contraction was more effective. Um, yeah, that's... Um, that steroid from the uh, foxglove is similar in structure and function to uh, 
progesterone. Wow, really? <laughs> and uh, St. George did experiments about 50 or 60 years ago in which he uh, showed that progesterone uh, acts on the heart using a rabbit heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, it acts like uh, digitalis to increase the staircase uh, effect of, of heart contraction in which uh, a faster simulation increases the stroke uh, and amount of blood pumped with each contraction. And that's because the, uh, the progesterone or the digitalis is uh, accelerating the ability to both contract and relax. Okay, because it's uh, as much in part the relaxation that's the important phase of muscle contraction for the next contraction to be important, uh, the next contraction to be uh, functional. Yeah, yeah, that's why the failing heart has a, a very weak, uh, small beat because it, it isn't relaxed and it's uh, uh, becoming harder just by uh, being filled up with water the way your muscles, when they swell up, they feel harder. Okay. Okay, and and and, and very uh, yeah fatigued from that from that swelling. Okay, so um, you mentioned this staircase effect, and uh, it's the first time I'd come across that as a as a, uh, a statement. The because I had always believed that the uh, increasing contractions of the heart were a kind of mechanism to compensate for the lack of blood volume being ejected with each contraction in the failing heart, at least uh, in uh, things like arrhythmia and tachycardia, which are part of um, a congestive heart failure type picture, aren't they? Um, When you're exercising, uh, you will notice the the, uh, beats per minute uh, increase as you uh, use your muscles and consume more oxygen. But at the same time that your healthy heart is beating faster, it's beating harder. so when it's going uh, maybe 130 beats per minute, it will also be something very hard. Okay. And you can feel your yeah. pulse uh-huh. uh, in your wrist or throat uh, as a, a big uh, bulging throb with each beat. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the staircase effect. It's both going faster and having a bigger stroke with each contraction right now that's efficient that's an efficient contraction mm-hmm. okay all right uh, you're listening to ask your herb doctor on kmud garberville 91.1 fm and from 7:30 until the end of the show at eight o'clock you're invited to call in with any questions either related or unrelated to this month's subject of the heart and hormones uh, we're joined by dr raymond pete who has about 40 years of uh, expertise in research into cell physiology uh, particularly with hormones uh, a number here if you live in the area is 923-3911 or if you live outside the area the toll free number is 1-800-KMUD-RAD so uh, I, I think the next, the next question I wanted to ask was uh, you're explaining the uh, um, waterlogged effect uh, of um, cardiac muscles and congestive heart failure is it, this has a, a, a relationship to uh, growing pains, doesn't it? And I think you've got a very different way of looking at growing pains or the treatment of growing pains. Um, yeah, it, it turns out that exactly the same uh, things are happening in skeletal muscle and heart muscle. Uh, people have known it empirically. Doctors have seen 
the changes in their patients for 100 years and found that thyroid would uh, correct those uh, problems of both the heart and the skeletal muscles. Uh, but uh, now fairly recently uh, with analysis of the genes and proteins, you can see that, in fact, exactly the same things are involved in uh, the, uh, the growing pains, which come with uh, a somewhat low thyroid function uh, around puberty, okay. uh, usually a couple of years before puberty. Uh, estrogen is increasing, blocking thyroid function. Uh, that makes the cell fatigue more easily, so it retains water. And the pain is associated with usually in the late afternoon and evening, uh, the muscles have uh, progressively retained more water and calcium Got it. Uh -huh. and, and are painful and swollen. Now, and uh, if a person in middle age becomes uh, very hypothyroid, they start getting the same thing, fibromyalgia, is one of the variations on that. I was but, just going to ask. <laughs> uh, the muscle uh, disease of hypothyroidism or uh, hypothyroid myopathy, it involves leakage of enzymes from the skeletal muscles. Uh, that has been the assumption. But, uh, in fact, the heart is also leaking those proteins uh, you can identify proteins coming from both the heart muscle and the, and the skeletal muscles in the hypothyroidism or in heart failure. So um, you, you can pick these up in the blood then? Uh, yeah, and, and urine. And the urine. Interesting. Okay, so some, somebody perhaps if um, they were suspecting from having a lot of fatigue in their arms and legs and all their back muscles just from standing erect, uh, might suppose they got a diagnosis of um, uh, gosh, that's the word's gone. That's completely out of my head. The um, fibromyalgia. Sorry. So that could that be tested in a lab? If they were to to give a urine sample or um, blood sample, would they be able to find myoglobin, for example, in, in from the uh, heart? Uh, yeah, creatine kinase creatine, is uh, okay. the first thing to look for if you're suspecting a thyroid-related pain problem. Creatinine kinase. Okay. All right. So, um, so hypothyroidism, because the two, I think the two terms get um, interchangeably confused, both with patients and doctors. That some people would say they have hypothyroidism, and they actually may have uh, the the opposite, and vice versa. So, people who say they are they're hyperthyroid may just have very high adrenaline states and actually be low thyroid. So, so you under, how do you understand the myopathy, the muscle weakness in, in hypothyroidism again? In, in hypothyroidism, yeah. uh, it's, uh, you can uh, see it in an electrocardiogram or if you kneel and have someone thump your Achilles tendon um, so your toes twitch away from your body. Uh, the relaxation, if your thyroid function is good, the relaxation will be instantaneous. Okay. And your foot will relax with a floppy, instantaneous, complete relaxation. If your thyroid is low, it'll come back slowly to exactly where it started. Hmm. And the heart is doing the same thing uh, with a prolongation 
of the QT interval. Uh, the T wave represents repolarization or relaxation. Okay. And so you can see it in either your uh, something your uh, Achilles tendon or looking at the electrocardiogram. And uh, when that is slow, that means the cell is retaining water and calcium. And in that swollen state, uh, it is permeable. It absorbs things that it shouldn't, and it leaks some of the enzymes that it shouldn't leak. Uh, so you can see those uh, in the blood during fatigue or hypothyroidism. Okay. Is this related perhaps to, and it's a, a little bit off, off, the, uh, off the beaten track here with where we were going, but the uh, reflexes, someone's reflexes in general, if somebody has very quick reflexes and they seem to be very alert and sharp, is that reflex um, down to being able to also relax the uh, muscle that's spasming or producing that reflex quickly? Is that a sign of uh, uh, a fairly well-functioning thyroid? Um, yeah, the, um, the conduction and time, uh, the rate of nervous conduction is slowed in hypothyroidism. Right. And so there are different things involved in ordinary functioning. Uh, a hypothyroid person will tend to react uh, 10 milliseconds or 20 milliseconds slower uh, than a person with a good thyroid function. Right. Um, I've seen... Uh, when someone popped a firecracker on the 4th of, 4th of July, uh, I, I saw people around the room. Uh, there was sort of a wave of jumping. <laughs> you could tell who the hypothyroid <laughs> who people were by how fast they jumped. Okay, interesting. I think I think it would be interesting for people that are listening just to uh, go over again um, uh, the uh, Achilles tendon reflex because it's not something... I. I it, when we were studying, it was always a patella reflex. You'd sit on a on a on a stool with your legs swinging, like you know you're a, a, an eight year old or whatever on a on a on a, on a grown up chair. So your legs were swinging, and then they would hit your patella with a little rubber patella hammer, and 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 your reflex would uh, initiate in however far your leg swung out and returned to normal. Um, that that shows the uh, extent of the reflex ability but it doesn't show the speed of relaxation because your lower leg is so heavy it uh, yeah. it'll swing back if your leg is only if your muscle is only partly relaxed but when you kneel uh, the uh, calf muscle is very big in relation to the small weight of your uh, toes uh, and when that muscle contracts it's the muscle that makes you're able to stand on your toes, so it's a very strong muscle. But when you're kneeling, all it has to do is make your foot twitch a little bit. And so the, uh, the return from the twitch uh, is a very small burden on the muscle. Right. And uh, so it won't drag a, a half-contracted muscle back to, to resting position. It, it comes back exactly as the muscle reaches full relaxation yeah excellent okay so those people that are listening then if um if they ever wanted to do it themselves to purely uh to test their own 
reflexes and their uh, thyroid state. And what Dr. Pete's talking about is if you were to kneel, kneel on a chair uh, facing the back of the chair so your legs are off the chair um, and basically have your leg uh, just nice and relaxed and floppy, then someone uh, behind you gets a, uh, like a rolling pin or something like that kind of nature and uh, just gently taps with a quick tap your Achilles tendon which runs from your heel up into your calf. Uh, and tapping that uh, tendon then will elicit a reflex so your foot will swing out away from you and it's how quickly it returns to its resting state where the toes are pointing down to the, uh, down to the floor again. It's that resting repolarization that's the important marker of uh, how well your thyroid's working. If, if your uh, toes, uh, they swing out but they take a long time to return, they kind of gently swing back down to perpendicular, then... Uh, that's not a very good sign. And if they swing out and back down again quickly, that's uh, actually a, the good sign you're looking for. <laughs> okay, so maybe somebody can uh, help you out there you know, if you want to try this yourself at home. Okay, you're listening to Ask Your Herb Doctor on KMUD Garville 91.1 FM. And from 7.30, uh, which is coming up here in five minutes or so, until the end of the show, 8 o'clock, you're invited to call in with any questions, either related or unrelated to this month's subject of the heart and hormones Number here if you live in the area is 3911, or if you live outside the area, the toll-free number is 1-800-KMUD-RAD. And we're very pleased to uh, welcome Dr. Raymond Pete onto the show once again to share his wisdom with us. Um, another way of looking at that reflex system is um, insomnia. Uh, many doctors think that uh, thyroid is a, a stimulant that will make you uh, stay awake, but when you think of the brain as having exactly the same uh, process of excitation and relaxation as your heart muscle or your leg muscle. Mm -hmm. uh, when the brain is fatigued, uh, if it's somewhat hypothyroid, it gets the equivalent of a growing pain or a cramp, and it can't relax fully, and uh, that amounts to insomnia. And so if you can energize uh, the brain cells, uh, you can get uh, sleep to come on quickly and the active thyroid hormone and magnesium and uh, sugar are the things that most quickly will restore energy to your brain or your muscles heart and so on right. okay did you have a question i thought maybe you were yeah somebody already wanted to know the best foods for the heart the best okay. diet yeah dr pete um well fruit is extremely important and avoiding polyunsaturated fats uh, because the, uh, the heart is much more efficient using oxygen when it's burning sugar rather than fat. Uh, and having uh, plenty of all of the uh, minerals, calcium, magnesium, sodium, and potassium, uh, those interact very closely. Uh, uh, people think of, of calcium as the uh, exciting ion, which, which it is when the, the cell is excited and can't get rid of it. But uh, calcium happens to inhibit some of the hormones that uh, maintain inflammation and excitation. So if you are well saturated with all of these uh, uh, minerals, the alkaline minerals, uh, uh, that will uh, help the, 
the heart to relax more quickly and then contract more quickly. Yeah. Okay, you said calcium, potassium, magnesium? And sodium. Sodium. Okay, so uh, things like uh, eggshells from the calcium or milk, obviously, is another very good source of calcium. And then potassium and magnesium, and these are fairly rich in uh, green leafy vegetables. And fruits, uh, orange juice and watermelon, for example, are, are good for the uh, uh, sodium and potassium. Yeah. There you go. And obviously table salt. I know we've done several several shows on salt and how good it is for you, but I think we need to keep reminding ourselves again that there's absolutely no truth in the fact that salt is harmful. It's actually very uh, very beneficial for you, and actually lack of salt is more harmful. I'm, I'm pretty surprised. The last um, couple of months, I look at um, I look at the news, the BBC news, pretty much probably because I'm British of descent, and uh, tend to think of the uh, BBC as a kind of Non, but non-biased, non-corporate uh, news entity. It doesn't really have any funding one way or the other from uh, parties and uh, corporations, etc. But I found some very interesting health articles that have come out of there that have really corroborated what you've been talking about. And I was almost uh, going to point out um, point out several of these towards the end of the show. But um, okay, so it's 7:30, and I don't know. If, uh, go ahead. Uh, uh, one point about the sodium is that if you restrict sodium you increase your aldosterone. And uh, one of the current interests in heart uh, drug treatment is to find an aldosterone inhibitor. But the eating enough sodium is the simplest it's way too, to inhibit it's, it's too excess cheap. aldosterone. <laughs> it's too cheap and they can't patent it. <laughs> I found the same thing about... The, one of the BBC articles was just showing... It was a complete reversal of the last 20 years or so of... Uh, uh, doctrine from the medical profession, if you like, on uh, skin cancer and melanomas and exposure to sun. And now in England, they're actually promoting people to go out and get more sun because they're saying that the vitamin D deficiency causing rickets is actually on the rise and actually there's very little evidence now to suggest that sun exposure causes melanoma and it's actually uh, related to many other things, uh, most of which are probably polyunsaturates in the diet. Um, there have been a couple of studies in which they found, in fact, that the incidence of melanoma decreased with the altitude at which a person lives and uh, so it's inversely related to ultraviolet light exposure <laughs> okay we've got a caller on the line so let's take this next caller hello you're on the air hello you're hi. on the air hi um I have a question could that I, could isn't exactly about the heart. But could, could I first start by asking you where you're from, where you're calling from? I am living in Phillipsville. We've okay. uh, spoken over the phone. Okay, me. very good. Um, I, my father actually died of a heart attack, and I am, like, because he had psoriasis of his toenails, too, I'm, and since I learned from Dr. Pete that estrogen can cause heart attacks, I kind of feel like that's what happened with him. But mm -hmm. me, what happens with me is that I have... A grand mal seizure, like once a month, and it's what's known as catamenial epilepsy because of this out of whack ratio between estrogen and progesterone. So I am okay. slightly derailing you, but I'm taking this no opportunity problem. to yeah, actually no speak to Dr. Pete. Please do. Go ahead. What was your question? Yeah. Well, I'm wondering, like, what, like, what can I do to balance my hormones? Um. Keeping your cholesterol level up, uh, fruit is one of the best ways to help the liver make enough cholesterol. And then if you're 
cholesterol production is good. Uh, thyroid and vitamin A are the main things for turning uh, cholesterol into progesterone, which not only has anti-seizure e effects, but it has uh, uh, heart protective effects, uh, steadying the heart rhythm the way uh, digitalis does, and uh, blocking aldosterone, preventing uh, fibrosis of the heart, and so on. Uh, so uh, keeping your cholesterol production up, but having the factors that convert it to progesterone uh, is Is that how you think it's operative in, in the gut, like eating the raw grated carrot? Oh, uh, yeah, the, uh, uh, the effect of, of having a, a raw carrot every day or bamboo shoots, uh, the, these are antiseptic fibers which can't be easily broken down by microorganisms. And so uh, they don't stimulate bacterial growth, in fact, tend to sterilize the intestine. And at the same time, uh, it, the fiber binds the estrogen, which your liver is producing and excreting all the time in the bile, and uh, prevents it from being reabsorbed. So immediately you can see a decrease in your estrogen level. Uh, the day or two after eating a raw carrot. And uh, that uh, reduction of absorption of uh, bacterial products and estrogen very quickly uh, reduces your stress and cortisol production, and that allows your progesterone to increase. Okay. Um, so you're talking about these things that are like the the good and bad bacteria in the guts, and I wonder even, too, if you know about the GAPS diet. Um, uh, yeah, the, the simplest thing is to avoid starches and polyunsaturated fat uh, because yeah. those are the you, things that promote... Do you have olive oil, then, like, as something to avoid? Um, well, the, the olive oil is saturated enough that it helps the carrot uh, with a germicidal action. Uh, coconut oil, butter, and olive oil, especially associated with the fiber of carrot, uh, help to suppress microorganisms. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, I think we better leave it for other callers. I appreciate your calling in, and I would better take the next caller. Thank you. You're welcome. Hi, you're on the air? Hello? Uh, yes, hi. And where are you from? Um, this is... I'm sorry, what was that? Where are you from? Where are you calling from? Oh, I'm calling in from Minnesota. Okay, I'm just, I'm just trying to make a habit of uh, calling people uh, and asking them where they're from just to get an idea of the demographics of uh, the uh, radio show's reach. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> Thank you for calling. What's your question? Yeah. Well, this is probably sort of off-topic, but um, I was wondering, Dr. Pete's opinion on what can a person do to recover from getting off of SSRIs? Oh, um, I, I hear that a lot. And um, basically it's doing everything uh, you can to uh, uh, restore a, a good, intense metabolic rate, uh, restore the um, energy level of cells so that they don't... Uh, go into the stress 
state. Um, the high serotonin uh, trains the nervous system to uh, stay in a stress state because serotonin activates the uh, pituitary, ACTH, and adrenal system. And uh, the, ultimately, the way to break that pattern is to increase your cellular energy production, uh, lower stress, keep your thyroid function up, uh, and uh, keep the estrogen down. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Um, I guess it's, uh, it sounds somewhat easy, but I'm, I'm sure it's, it's pretty tough for, for someone who's been on SSRIs for so long. And uh, is it something that takes quite a long time to recover from, in your opinion? Um, yeah, people seem to um, take about a year to uh, feel fairly normal again, even doing everything right. Okay, um, well, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, the, um, uh, the serotonin uh, itself uh, creates an inflammatory state in the nerves and body in general. And uh, so they, they affect your, your whole metabolism, tend to increase fat production and, and stress. And, and so you want to concentrate on keeping your whole body in an unstressed condition. Uh, eating frequently is probably uh, one of the helpful things, not, not forcing yourself to, to uh, go on adrenaline. Okay. okay. All right. Thank you. We've got it. Thank you for your call. I do appreciate you calling in and uh, your interaction. We've got a couple of more callers, so let's just make sure everyone uh, gets a chance to pose some questions to Dr. Pete. So, next caller, you're on the air, and where are you from? Uh, this is David from Missouri. Uh, hi, David. Welcome to the show. And congratulations on your baby. Oh, thank you. Um, you know, I don't know if you've seen this, but I, I see this quite often where somebody will put a cell phone in their pocket right over their heart. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that each organ in the body has a specific frequency, and I know that they all pretty much fall within the same frequency, but that they do have a frequency that, that helps that system to operate mm-hmm. normally. Um, what do you think the ramifications are of having that competing frequency right um, up next to the heart? It's um, pretty well established that you... Uh, damage the tissue, uh, create stress um, in the brain, uh, the cancer rate increases when your head is exposed to uh, the, the microwave frequencies. Uh, Isn't it amazing that all of these mainstream media outlets, they never talk about things like that. You would think they would be warning people about putting a cell phone over their heart. But anyway, uh, the other thing, I've been exploring... Um, eating bamboo uh, sprouts. I grow several different types of bamboo, so this spring I've been trying different things, and I was just curious um, about the different techniques I've been using. You know, I've been steaming them like in a steamer basket, and then I've also just been boiling them in water. And I've noticed that how I peel that bamboo, uh, I can leave more fibers that obviously are not digestible, but then it seems like, 
the more tender parts inside are really soft. I mean, almost like a really well-cooked potato. Do you think there's a benefit in maybe not cooking them too much? Uh, no, they they still have good fiber, even if they're soft. And then I've also been drinking the water that I boil them in. Do you think there's actually some antibiotic um, yeah, materials still so. in I, that water? I think so. The Japanese and Chinese uh, have some uh, drugs that they make from uh, extracts of the bamboo plant. And uh, I think they get okay. the strongest ones from the leaves, but... I think there is the same antiseptic and uh, probably anti-cancer material in the shoots. Wow. I'm going to uh, harvest extra and then freeze them. I'm assuming that's not going to hurt it at all. I don't do think it hurts them. What? I, I don't think it harms them to freeze. Uh, okay. Uh, I don't want to hog the, the questions here, but I do have one more question, unless you think we should go on. I know we're running out of time. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, you know, the orange juice thing. I live in Missouri, and through the winter, uh, I can get fresh oranges. It's very difficult to get organic oranges, but all through the winter, I was, you know, juicing fresh oranges, and, and they were just regular oranges. It, it seems like um, I've heard that, you know, even though they're not organic, most oranges, because of that heavy peel, they're probably not too bad as far as pesticides. But I as think, I'm going into summer, it's almost impossible for me to get fresh oranges. So I've been, you know, like buying Tropicana orange juice, and I've been trying different organic frozen orange juices. And so I did a bunch of research on how all these frozen orange juices and things like Tropicana are made. And it seems like all of them are doing the same thing where they create these big vats, and they take all the, the moisture out, and then they add the oil from the peel back in. Are you aware of that? Um, yeah, and I think there's a worse process that all the companies, all the big companies are using the last uh, five or ten years, uh, which is to use enzymes to uh, break up the pulp uh, so that they have less waste and more volume in the juice. Uh, the stuff that used to be a pretty solid material that had to be discarded. Has yeah, now I've been... heard you mention that before, and I've been tr I've been calling these companies and trying to find one that you know it's it's really hard to find somebody to talk to that actually knows what's going on in these different companies. But I have made an effort to do that, and you know, like Tropicana says, they do not do that in their non-pulp orange juice. And I've I've called uh, two of the organic ones, like Cascadian, and then. Um, I forgot the other one, but um, they both say they're not doing that. So do you think that there is a benefit from drinking these processed orange juices? Oh, yeah. Okay. So so the fresh is definitely better, but drinking the processed ones are still going to be better than not doing it, right? Um, yeah. For example, uh, people with uh, heart pains, uh, even with, with uh, frozen orange juice concentrate, uh, you can see a, a very quick relief from uh, mild heart pains just by drinking a, a pint of orange juice per day. Yeah, I'm addicted to orange juice now. It's amazing. It's a great addiction. Uh, I have a question for you Go since ahead. you're in Missouri. Yes. The engineer. Uh, is there a march against Monsanto going in their home state? 
There is. Yeah, I'm going to it. Uh, I live close to a town called Springfield, and there's going to be a lot of people there. And there's there's uh, one in St. Louis, which is where Monsanto is, and there's one in Columbia, which is where the University of Missouri is, and there's one in Kansas City. So yeah, we're all we're all wanting to make a stand for on that for sure. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Thanks for your caller. Uh, thanks for your call, caller. And uh, let's move on to the next one of two or however many. Yeah, we have a call. One more thing. Thank you, Dr. Pete, for everything you do. And thank you, Andrew, for the show. Yeah, I you're really very welcome. It. Yeah, thanks for the call. Hi. Okay, and I, I'll comment saying it's great what a wide-ranging people. I think I get more calls from farther away on this show <laughs> than any other. And I did get a la- local it, call. It's though. all because of Dr. Pete. It's Dr. Pete, yes. Uh <laughs> I got a local call, someone with information from for the earlier person uh, about SSRI. Uh, there's a a website called drugawareness.com, and she had wanted to tell this to you and Sarah as well. Uh, her name is Anne Blake Tracy, and she has a phone number, an 800 number, 800-280-0730, and there's a lot of information about getting off SSRIs. Good. Excellent. And we have one more caller. Hi, Calling co- all the way from Miranda in Humboldt okay. County. You're not too far away. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to yes. the show. Um, I hope my question won't be redundant. I missed um, part of the program driving home without a radio in my car. Um, my question is, I have chronic sinusitis that I've had for the last 10 years, and um, I have been lately feeling like it might be straining my heart um and i wondered if you know i've heard like you could have a uh, a minor chronic infection like say an abscess tooth or something like that um i think there is a, a definite relation between uh, sinus or tooth infections and the heart but i i don't think it goes from the the sinus or tooth to the heart but i think uh, it's endotoxin from uh, chronic intestinal inflammation that uh, sometimes bacteria enter the bloodstream along with the endotoxin, but uh, just the endotoxin enough is uh, alone is enough to uh, cause sinusitis and uh, inflamed uh, periodontal tissues. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it's uh, causing those changes in the heart, mm-hmm. uh, calcium mm-hmm. retention, water retention, easy mm-hmm. fatigability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I um, I I get regular exercise, and I um, I have a vegan diet, and uh, I've been off gluten pretty strictly, very strictly for a couple of years now, which is was very helpful. Um, but I can't seem to get ahead of the sinusitis. Um, anything that might pop up that I should um uh, when when the uh the simple foods and um, the fibers to uh, disinfect your intestine, when those aren't enough, uh, then uh, the, the drugs that are most helpful, in my experience, are aspirin and uh, the antihistamines. Uh, Benadryl, for example, if you could get the pure chemical that's better than mm-hmm. prepared tablets, mm-hmm. and uh, ciproheptadine which is an anti-serotonin, antihistamine, and then uh, antibiotics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't responded to the antibiotics, and I don't use them very often, but 
What about um, cordial silver? I was wondering about that. I tried that once, but I I have the ability to make my own. Um, um, oh, one one other thing that helps the uh, general immune system and uh, avoidance of inflammation is vitamin D. Have you had a, a blood test for vitamin D? I haven't, but I take um, I take ten thousand units um, a day of vitamin D. Take, uh, yeah, it says I've got this drop yeah, here. I take 10 of them, and it's supposed to come out to 10,000 units. Does that seem like a reasonable dosage? Yeah, if it's vitamin D3. Yes, it is. It is D3. And uh, do you get sun sunlight exposure? Yeah, yeah. We, My wife and I walk every day, and um, it hasn't been raining very much in Humboldt County, unfortunately. I don't Sundays, though, or... Well, I uh, thank you. I, I think I should get off to leave room for anyone behind me. Okay, no problem. All right, well, thanks for your call. Appreciate thank you. appreciate you calling in. Um, whilst we're on the topic, uh, before the callers started coming in, let me just uh, give people who are listening again an opportunity to know how to get in contact with us. Uh, we can be reached here at uh, 1-800-KMUD-RAD or the toll-free uh, 923 number, uh, 923-3911. Um, we were discussing cholesterol, you know, at the beginning of the calling questions, you were talking about um, the relationship of cholesterol um, and how this is relevant, the harmful effects, perhaps, rather, of lowering cholesterol uh, and, and its relevance to heart failure. Um, yeah, the, uh, the drugs uh, that lower cholesterol, one of the accepted side effects of both of the main categories of cholesterol-lowering drugs is to uh, cause occasional muscle breakdown, uh, <laughs> rhabdomyolysis. Uh -huh. The muscle dissolves itself. And one of the known uh, things is uh, the interference with the production of coenzyme Q10, but that isn't the sole reason for the muscle breakdown. Uh, the simple lack of cholesterol, cholesterol is a, a cell-stabilizing uh, substance with hormone-like action, which in the absence of uh, progesterone and uh, the other protective steroids, it actually has a, a cell-protective effect in the, the skeletal muscles and in the heart. Uh, the same process that causes uh, rhabdomyolysis, uh, the skeletal muscles, uh, can happen in the heart. Uh, cholesterol deficiency uh, tending to kill heart cells. Hmm. There we go. See, I mean, Doctor P, you uh, you recommend, yeah, well, you don't recommend to have a cholesterol of two hundred, but you don't have any uh, you don't have any problem with uh, someone reporting a cholesterol of two hundred, especially if they're uh, fifty or more, do you? Um, yeah, the um, uh, Framingham study found that people over fifty uh, who had at least 200 cholesterol or higher had a, a much lower risk of Alzheimer's disease because it's brain protective as well as heart protective. Right. There you go. Okay, we've actually got a couple of callers on the line, so let's take the next caller. Hi, caller. You're on the air? Hello. Hi, and, and where are you calling from? You're calling from Arcata. Well, actually, Trinidad. But, okay. Well, welcome um, to the show. Yeah, I am dealing with a tooth infection that I've had for number of years now and 
I have um, been treating it with tea tree oil, and it seems to be helping some, but still hanging in there. It seems like it's very um, hard to mm-hmm. really get to because mm-hmm. I guess it's anaerobic, so it's, I don't know, it's really been a challenge to, to treat. And I'm wondering if Dr. Pete has any suggestions about how to go about it. Uh, what kind of infection is it? A tooth infection. A tooth infection, yeah, and it's pretty nasty sometimes, some of the discharge I get from it. Um, I know a, a dentist who um, cured uh, chronic uh, dental problems like periodontal disease uh, with simply giving his patients a laxative, and he would uh, talk at dental conferences and say uh, he was a good surgeon, but he found there was no need at all to do periodontal surgery if he gave the patients laxatives. But the idea didn't catch on among the dentists. (laughs) Do you have have any any constipation that's long-standing at all? Uh, Not really. No. Um, Not that I know of. I'm pretty regular, um, although I, I would say that my digestion hasn't been Hip top. I'm I'm 57, so it's like um, I don't know. It's gotten a, a little bit sluggish, but it hasn't been anything I would call constipation. Uh, sometimes just avoiding uh, starchy, mm-hmm. uh, especially raw vegetables and uh, raw fibrous fruits. Um, apples are are easier on the intestine if they're well cooked, and uh, uh, vegetables ought to be cooked about 40 minutes to be protective to the intestine. Wow. So avoid raw vegetables. Um, yeah, often uh, if you uh, keep uh, the vegetables that you've been eating, put them in a plastic bag where they don't get oxygen, and then keep them at 98 degrees for a few days, and you'll basically see what happens to them because uh, we don't have enzymes for breaking up uh, the uh, cellulose of of vegetable material, and so the bacteria are favored by the warm, moist conditions, and the bacteria can thrive on uh, raw vegetables. Hmm. Wow, that's just so counter to what everybody else Mm -hmm. has said, so it's so interesting to me. Well, I know, um, do- I know Dr. Pete's uh, always advocating uh, making sure that the uh, transit time through the gut is as quick as possible so that um, uh, prevents the, uh, you know, o- well, especially with the right kind of uh, foods, prevents the overgrowth of any uh, bad bacteria because of an endotoxin point of view. It's the endotoxin that gets into the system that can uh, cause inflammation and other disruptions. And I know tooth infections... Uh, fairly well, supposedly notoriously difficult to treat because of the uh, um, don't have a particularly good blood supply. Um, but I I think the seat of most people's conditions when it really comes down to changing the diets in people and then hearing back of the great amount of changes that are going on in them in their life that the uh, uh, the gut is the most the most important aspect of humans is what you put into your gut and how well it moves through. Probably single, the single most important factor in good health. Uh, raw carrots are the exception among vegetables because uh, being a root vegetable, they happen to be very germicidal. Uh, bacteria won't touch them in the transit time. So I should even avoid salads. 
uh, yeah, green salads or uh, uh, other vegetables other than raw carrots. Uh-huh. Okay. Wow. Um, and do you know, Dr. Pete, anything about the uh, light uh, therapies that are out there these days? Uh, I've been treating it also with uh, a friend of mine does light therapy, and um, she's got a, a little box that gives red, red rays off. I'm just curious if you know anything about light therapy. Uh, yeah, uh, sunlight is uh, the best in general, and if you're going to be exposed to uh full sunlight very long, then you have to uh, uh, worry about sunburn. And uh, so avoiding sunburn is the only caution. But um, many hours a day of brilliant light, white light, incandescent light, or sunlight, it has many effects uh, uh, balancing the hormones, increasing your uh, defensive hormones, such as progesterone and testosterone, and uh, just a, a year or so ago, uh, an American researcher uh, trained rats and found that just shining red light on their heads, because red light penetrates through the tissues, uh, mm. he found that their learning was improved just by exposure to light. Wow. So that could be helpful in the tooth infection. Um, uh, yeah. It helps your whole system, lowers the stress, and um, probably lowers the uh, tendency to absorb endotoxin for your intestine. Thank you very much, Dr. Pete, and thank you, Andrew. You're very welcome. Okay, well, thanks uh, to everyone who's called in. I appreciate your feedback and uh, your comments. Um, let's just uh, uh, cut the callers for now. It's three minutes to. I just want to make sure that everyone gets to hear how to contact Dr. Pete and uh, read the articles that he writes freely. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Pete. Really appreciate your time. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay, so uh, for those uh, who are interested in uh, learning more about what Dr. Pete has to offer in terms of his approach to uh, sickness and uh, good health uh, com. Uh, he's got lots of scholarly articles fully referenced uh, most of the reference material uh, is, is very current so um, check it out uh, there's lots of new stuff that he's writing continually so he's a, a great source of uh, inspiration to us all um, for those of you, uh, this time next month, the third Friday of next month, we'll be at the summer solstice. So can you believe it? We've only got about four and a half weeks and then the uh, daylight starts getting shorter and we start going back the other way. But anyway, we haven't quite got there yet. And um, thanks for listening, everyone. Good night. And support for KMUD comes in part from Golden Dragon Medicinal Syrup, an anti-inflammatory, antifungal, antibacterial, antioxidant medicine made without heat or ice. Golden Dragon Medicinal Syrup is organic, edible, topical, cosmetic, and water-soluble. Information is available at goldendragonmedicinalsyrup at gmail.com and by phone at 707-223-1569. It's 759, 64 degrees outside our Redway studio. This is Redwood Community Radio, KMUD Garberville 91.1, KMUE Eureka Arcata 88.1, KLAI Laytonville 90.3, FM Translator K258BQ Shelter Cove 99.5, 
and on the web at kmud.org. It's Friday night. Get ready to get funked up because Cousin Mark is in the house. Redwood Community Radio KMUD comes from the Mateo Community Center presenting the 37th Annual Summer Arts and Music Festival at Bembo Lake State Recreation Area, June 1st and 2nd. With more than 100 diverse performers on four plus... Please remember that this program is supported by the listener members of Redwood Community Radio. If you like what you hear, please consider becoming a member of KMUD or renewing if you've already joined. A regular yearly membership is $50, but we accept any amount. Help us keep free speech alive. 